Hey, Nikki. Hey, Selena. Whoa. I've not really been able to hear our music before. Like. In ear uh, live while we're recording. Yeah. Yeah. So we've had an equipment upgrade. Yeah. We're trying. We're giving it a go. We'll see how it goes today. (laughs) There might be a couple glitches, but yeah. Only one way to find out. Well, welcome to season four. Hi, y'all. Me. Y'all. People. All of us. (laughs) Welcome. Um, And now that the holidays are behind us. Sorry, it is January. We're ready to get back to chatting about the sugar baker, being Southern, not being Southern, somewhere in between. That's the Midwest. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm rusty, guys. I'm giving, just give me a minute, okay? Uh, but like the beginning of anything good. <laughs> Where is this transition going? We have notes. <laughs> <laughs> what's more fun than housekeeping? Footnotes. <laughs> yeah. uh, so before we like dive in for real for real i wanted to share with everyone a couple things that you and i have chatted about offline uh off season which is logistically folks folksies you might notice a few segments missing and that's because we're always trying to tweak what we think is and isn't working in between seasons we're not going to go into it you'll you'll figure it out or you won't and that's fine um (laughs) (laughs) moving on we're also going to start releasing our episodes a little differently so uh, on Mondays, typically, except for this week, <laughs> it'll be a Tuesday, <laughs> keeping you on your toes because it's a holiday. Uh, we're going to release our typical standard episode, which is reviewing and kind of digging into designing women and random things. Extra Sugar, on the other hand, is going to post later in the week, Thursdays, I believe. There, Yes, okay. that's the plan. Okay. And can you tell me how that's going to work for Patreons? Yes. No. Yes. <laughs> So our Patreons always get early access to our episodes. Um, When we launch an episode on Monday, they get early access on Friday. So I'm trying to follow that same model. So they'll have, um, this week is different, but they'll have this week's episode a couple of days or at least a day before we launch. And then hopefully extra sugar then they will have on Monday or Tuesday. We'll see how it works out. These first few episodes we're recording pretty quickly in quick succession to launching and we have to edit in between so i'm gonna do the very best i can to make sure our patreons get a little advance notice look at you saying we that's so nice <laughs> i don't edit anything we have things we we do things together you review them uh so yes patreons will get the same they've always gotten which is a couple days advance notice on things because okay. we love them and we want them to have an extra special experience that's right that's right oh that's so well put so okay The other thing that probably needs to go ahead and be said, that was really well communicated, is that you may hear us sneaking in some non-designing women content because, (gasps) yeah, okay, well, you don't need to be surprised. Oh, but I'm I'm the, pretend I'm your audience, Selena. (gasps) Oh, no. Well, well, here's why. One way or another, designing women is coming to an end, you know. (laughs) Come hell or high water, it's ending. (laughs) Come hell. <laughs> I don't know. So we're we're still unsure if we're going to cover the final two seasons when Suzanne and Charlene leave. Now, that's always been a question mark. Mm-hmm. It's not like we talk about it all the time. But if you do revisit the beginning of the show, you will hear us say that. And so... Check minute 415 in episode three, season one. actually kind of surprising that I don't know that. But I do think we talked about it sometime in season yeah. one. But... Um, the thing is, is that we're also considering branching out to cover additional Southern things. We're committed to keeping you in the loop. And as we make major decisions, we'll let you know. Yeah, that sounds good. Are there things that you'd like to hear us cover 
other Southern focused TV shows or movies, topics you want us to dig into as a part of Extra Sugar. You know, we have a list of things, but we'd love to hear your ideas. In every episode, we tell you how to find us. Wink, wink. Um, <laughs> that was natural, right? <laughs> Smooth. Yes. Uh, last, definitely not least, we do have some shout outs. Welcome, Candace. Welcome. Oh, I feel like I should have a sound effect over here for that. Oh, and I'm just not smooth enough yet. I'm not smooth. Keep You keep going. Let me see what I got over here. Okay. Our newest Patreon, we officially welcomed Candace in our special episode that launched just before Uh-oh. Christmas. I have something. Okay. Can I do it? Yeah. <laughs> Welcome. That's good. <laughs> so smooth. <laughs> So we we did welcome Candace just before Christmas, um, or just before our special episode that launched right before Christmas, but we want to say something one more time in a regular episode. I sang a song. I'm not doing that again. Sorry. Uh, but you should definitely go back and listen, because, man, it was good. It was it was a surprise. So good. I, I didn't see it coming. <laughs> didn't see it coming. Um we also have a new listener, Greer. We don't always just shout out a new listener, to be clear. We don't really necessarily know, although sometimes people are nice enough to pop in and let us know that they're listening. Uh, but the reason that we are sharing this is because, again, we just want to say thank you from the very depths of our stomachs and hearts. Thank you, thank you, thank you for sending along the most delicious assortment of tasty treats oh all the gosh. way from Scotland. My so. kids were so grateful. It's they true. were we did, so grateful. We did literally sit there and share <laughs> bites of every single thing with them, to which I left Nikki's house in a hurry. Could you hear the screaming I from just outside? Knew that, like you could, you could see the house reverberating. <laughs> sugared children inside. They were very excited. They had favorites. They loved the little gummy pigs. Those were probably Those a big were favorite. Really good. They Those had elderberry really in them. I don't. I oh, did they? The, yes, yeah, fancy. Oh, okay. Yeah, they loved those. That's fancy. Um, so I, I should. Well, I just want to say that we were incredibly blown away. That was so incredibly kind. I, you had said that Greer had offered to send us some things. Until we opened the box, I didn't have a handle for what quote unquote some things. They just kept coming. We just kept pulling things out. It went on forever. It just kept going. And they were all different and they were all delicious. And just like super thoughtful. Uh, there were some things from her hometown and they felt quite Southern to us. Uh, they were called Scottish tablets and they tasted like praline. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then there were oat cakes in there that reminded us of cheese straws. The tea cakes were kind of like moon pies. I think that day oh. you had also talked about are the mallows. Is that what yeah. that candy's called? Uh-huh. That candy is not southern, but I. But since you know moon pies are, yeah, it kind of is that similar vibe. Yeah. Um. So I mean, it was just, it was, it was really cool. It made the holidays really special. Really did. Um, and we opened them together. Selena brought the box over to my house so that we could open. This is our first first gift from a listener it was really kind and um so we took the opportunity to get together and do it in person and like selena said have a full full on taste test yeah every single thing we tried yeah it was it was amazing before dinner we tried everything before dinner that's true yeah yeah before dinner i was hopped up as well there, I mean, there's still dinner. there's still dinner. You can't skip dinner, right? But if anybody wants to see our unboxing, <laughs> <laughs> 
It's on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. That's right. We are now on TikTok. You can find us at Sweet Tea TV Pod. Thanks to Nikki. Moving on up, man. Make the push. So that was a lot, and I'm sorry, y'all, but a lot goes on between seasons, and as we recalibrate and start anew, we're slow. (laughs) (laughs) And we want to take people along with us as we do it. I mean, we had about a month break, and little things would... uh, you know, occur to us here and there. We had a brainstorming session in between. And so we don't want to make these massive changes and not take people along with us. We don't want people to be like, what happened to this segment? Yeah. I think people might do that. Yeah. They would. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so thank you for going on with this this journey with us is what we're trying to say. And shall we then journey into season four, episode one of Designing Women? We shall. Season four, episode one. This episode is either called The Proxy Pig or The Proxy Pig and the Great Pretenders. Hulu calls it the former. IMDb calls it the latter. Did you look anything about this up? No. Why the names are different? Uh-uh. Uh, I, I still don't know fully why, but I will say that trusted source I always look at, designingwomenonline.com, they said it's a, it was originally called The Proxy Pig. Uh, when it first aired, and I guess, um, and the Great Pretenders was added in syndication. I don't know why, like why they would have done that unless, I guess there could have been another show that had um, the Proxy Pig as the title and they needed to distinguish it or I don't know, but they needed to add that. So Hmm. um, in addition to the differing titles, Hulu and IMDb also offer different synopses. Uh, It's either an episode focused on Mary Jo trying to impress a former rich high school friend by pretending to live in a house Sugar Bakers is decorating, that's what Hulu says, or it's about Suzanne generously letting Anthony stay at her home after he hurt his back. And by the way, Charlene's having a baby, which really wasn't in any of the descriptions. Right. So. And that's a change. A giant change. She has a a creature inside of her. I feel like that's. Parasite, if you will. (laughs) Hey. I'm only going to let you speak on that one. (laughs) Uh, I have more thoughts on that, which we can discuss later. Okay. Uh, So the air date on this one was September 18th, 1989. We're calling this one Anthony the Living Ken Doll. It was written by LBT and directed by Harry Thomason. You want to get into some general reactions, stray observations? Yeah, absolutely. What you got? So, well, my very first thing that I thought of while I was watching this episode is that it reminded me of Misery. Do you want to talk about the Stephen King novel I do. turned into a movie with Kathy Bates and James Caan. This is funny. Your okay. first general reaction, I'm feeling like it's going to be very similar to mine. Different movies. Oh, okay. Oh, go, go ahead. You okay. go ahead. All right. Now I'm curious. Okay. So I, I know they reference in the show, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Um, but the book Misery came out in 87. Because mm. I, I thought, I was like, I feel like the timing was similar. And then the movie came out in 1990. So it's possible that it was even being filmed around that time and reported on in the trades around that time. Mm. And who was, I guarantee you that LBT was a big trade reader, if not still. Because mm-hmm. so, isn't that what you do when you're in the business? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know maybe. Do. I'm in this business, but not really. <laughs> I'm not even in this one. So I don't know. What did it remind you of? So I, I tapped into whatever happened to baby Jane because they reference it head on in the movie. But I was also curious, like, have you ever seen it? I know what it is. It is dark. Yeah. I've never seen it. Yeah. Uh, I've I read about it. I have references. So. Okay. No, but I want you to talk about it now and I can supplement. So it was a 1962 film starring Betty Davis and Joan Crawford. Um, 
it, it really sounds terrifying. So it's basically about these two performing sisters who are fueled by jealousy and rage to do really awful things to one another. Um, so basically the younger sister is extremely successful in vaudeville as a child and really cruel to her older sister. Their fortunes reverse at some point in their lives, and the older sister becomes really successful in Hollywood when the pictures become a thing. Um, that's pretty good 40s voice. <laughs> so the Hollywood successful ones, so that's the older sister, has an accident and is paralyzed, which she blames on her younger sister. Then her younger sister imprisons her in their Hollywood mansion and does really awful things to her. The reason it reminds me of this episode is that at one point, the older sister drags herself down the stairs to try to escape, which mimics the scene with Anthony coming into the Hoffman's home. That's fair. Yeah. My reaction to all of this was, I feel like I've seen this a few times, and I'll be interested to see if you've had the same reaction, where they mimic Hollywood movies uh, as the plot line. So, for instance, I'll be... Oh, they were huge yeah. on it. Like yeah. they would set up exact shots and stuff, but yes. do like a sitcom version. And then the, in community, there was this meta thing where one of the characters is very into movies. movies and anyway, in this one, I was thinking of, I'll be seeing you in episode two, which was set up like a wartime old Hollywood movie. The cantina um, or something. Yeah, yes. Look at it then. Yes. The Hollywood canteen. Yep. Oh yeah. Thank you. <laughs> you said I'm just going to get that ass backwards i thought of help me out star wars because my kids oh, and husband yeah. have been watching star wars lately and they have the cantina uh, uh and then there's there's some black people coming to dinner in season two which mm-hmm. was largely a riff on guess who's coming to dinner so you mean this show and how she designing it. yes okay uh-huh. okay yeah, yeah, yeah it was just interesting to me it, mm-hmm. it's it's something i've seen as we've been watching the show and i don't think the device occurred to me until this episode when um he mentions whatever happened to baby jane and i was like is that the real name of the movie like I I probably have heard of it at some point. I'm not a big fan of like the early Hollywood movies and like 60s. That's too far back for me. Just not for me. Um, this stuff is dark. What was a B movie too? I mean, that the only other thing I would bring into this is uh-huh. like I it was sort of mimicking who Betty Davis and Joan Crawford were in real life. Mm-hmm. In fact, they had um, what I was going to share in references. And I'll just go ahead and share now is like, they had such a huge off screen feud mm-hmm. that I would now, was it a publicity stunt? Was it real? I'm not sure. Um, I think it's probably a little bit of both if I had to take a guess, but um, I would argue that's more interesting than that movie. Um, yeah. And in fact, Ryan Murphy, um, he w- I think he was going to do a series of them the way he has with these other kind of anthology shows that he does. Okay. Um, but it was called Feud, and it was about the two of them and the making of this movie. Oh, interesting. And then they were supposed to do another movie together, and it fell apart. Mm. Uh, Betty Davis goes on to still do it, but Joan Crawford, I think they got rid of her uh, from the movie because she was being such a hassle. Off oh. mm. I think. Anyways, so um, interesting. Uh, I had one more general reaction that I have a few strays. Uh, I wanted to just point out that Belva inviting herself to stay with Mary Jo, on top of being tacky, was very unsouthern. It was just weird. Well, yeah, that's that you. That was in my strays. Okay. It's like, who does that? Yeah. Who invites himself like that? Especially like a frenemy. Is she not self aware? Right. That, like, she and Mary Jo have, like, this weird, react like, interaction with one another? It's probably something where it's, like, um, it's an interesting setup, but maybe a little bit of a plot hole. 
that that's not like why how would it I don't know it, yeah like why would it work that way um, without that awareness mm-hmm. um, I had two more general reactions the A and the B plots here were interesting in your mind was this the Mary Jo episode or was this a Suzanne and Anthony episode oh that's a good question I, I would have said Mary Jo okay yeah it seemed like the more uh prominent it seemed like that's what we talked about the most okay uh but it's weird then it's called the proxy pig right mm-hmm. um so yeah. like for me it felt like two b no no plot. selena it's called the proxy pig and the great pretenders right right, right. we tacked that <laughs> they on. saw the error of their ways and corrected it <laughs> oh somebody did the exactly. uh so it felt like two b plots to me yeah uh which you know i this always stands out to me i don't know why i just think it's like it's like the basic building blocks of storytelling and especially in a sitcom. But, um, I, you know, I think, I think it could have been either, either one could have been the A, but one of them needed a little more juice for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's kind of telling now we, we still don't know really the reason why they tack that on in syndication, but it's kind of telling that even, like the descriptions, the names, oh, no mm-hmm. one knows. Yeah. So it's just quite unclear. And then my last is a question for you. Oh, <laughs> my, mm-hmm. all my general reactions of questions, just putting you on the spot. Are you in or out as Suzanne is your caretaker? <laughs> so this is actually something I'll address later in things that I didn't like in the episode, or maybe it's in things I liked. Uh, I, me personally, I mean, it's just like other people I would pick, but I give her credit for trying and I feel like she's got, she's got a real heart for like taking care of people. And I hate so much that she becomes the butt of the joke so much over it. Uh, So that's not a clear answer. It's like not for me, but also she's trying. An attempt was made. I just, so minus where she's like dressing him up and having someone (laughs) give him quote unquote African braids. (laughs) Like um, what's the, problem she's yeah eating him italian mexican filet mignon scheduling manicures pedicures and facialists it sounds pretty it sounds pretty nice i feel like i'm pretty low-key and so I, I feel like maybe i'm a little like anthony like i um when i had my wisdom teeth taken out for instance mm-hmm. i don't want someone like massaging my cheeks or like you know doing giving me pedicures while i'm laying there in pain but i just i want a smoothie every now and then or um maybe not a smoothie because you're not supposed to suck things through a straw but whatever you know i want a, a nice soup that's taken care of um so i think i'm a little more low-key than that so that would be the problem for me but also as you're saying it i'm like but that sounds like a nice like weekend. Like it sounds nice, right? And if I'm not recovering from something, if I'm not in pain and if I don't need rest, that sounds like a nice way to spend a weekend. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. It's, not, it's like Suzanne's spa. It's like the, yes, spa the Suzanne. spa came to the bed. Exactly. I mean, but yeah, I don't, I would not. There was like a denim company. jumpsuit involved at one point, which is, I'm out on that. Yeah. So. What's it look like? I have um, to see it. I'm out. On oh that. yeah, I'm never seeing you in a jumpsuit. I can't. <laughs> like I literally can't imagine it. Me on the other hand, I've owned several jumpsuits, so yeah, seems logistically challenging. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> the 
There's no butt I've flap. never understood why they don't just go ahead and tack one of those in there. <laughs> For those and the rompers, if you're going to continue to cycle us through these, come on, yes. guys. Come on. Let's improve. We would never do that to a man. Let's sweet TNTV it and make minor improvements with each iteration. If you ever want to know that patriarchy still exists, yeah. that's how you know. We don't get pockets. We don't get P flaps. We get nothing. All right. So strays. Uh, <laughs> feels like a good intro to that. I have three. Okay. I'll allow it. Thank you. Uh, there were a couple of cut lines in this episode, um, including one early in the episode where we learned that Suzanne submitted an application. I'm sorry. Someone submitted an application for Suzanne to become a candy striper. So when you find that out later in the episode that she has become one, it's not totally random. Right. It was part of the, the plot line. So I think with the cuts, it's sort of implied. Obviously, someone applied her for it, but in the the actual lines, they actually say it. Um, there was also a really substantial cut line where Suzanne asks why Belva was so mean to Mary Jo. Uh, and we learn uh, as part of that discussion that Mary Jo wasn't poor growing up. She was actually kind of well off. Mm-hmm. Um, I only bring that up because it kind of surprised me. I thought for some reason it was part of her storyline that she was not well off growing up. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you had a, if, if that resonates with you at all, but it just surprised me. So I thought I'd report back. Hmm. All right, I might have to sit with that one for a little bit. I mean, yeah, I think everything that we've heard at this point is that, like, it was a small rural community. She didn't grow up with a lot. So, yeah. Yeah, hmm. I don't know. It's not important. Uh, I had two continuity errors. Did okay. you notice any in this episode? S- s- say more. Tell you more. Uh, one is when Mary Joe, and Charlene are sitting on the couch at the Hoffman's. Charlene had a pillow with a case on it. Um, And when they first showed her, uh, she was like, I think the case was already on the pillow. The second time they showed her, she was stuffing the pillow in the case. So it was just like that kind of continuity. Okay. This, well, then the second one uh, is they gave an address. Mary Jo gave an address to Belva. It was 2933 Crestwood Drive. I Googled it. I have no idea. I Googled it. And if that's a real address, it's actually in East Atlanta, which is really hard. It was really far from Buckhead and Tuxedo Road, which is where Mary Jo said they were. Mm-hmm. I wish somebody had consulted a map, um, which also is a throwback to our season two, episode three, Extra Sugar, where we talked about the Tuxedo Road history. Mm-hmm. I got to put that in there. Absolutely. Uh, so the reason that I said, give me a second to think about that is because there that is one of my strays there were a few things that happened that gave me pause on whether i was remembering previous designing one canon correctly or not okay so a little bit different yours is more like logistical mm, kind of mm-hmm. stuff okay this is more like what we've set up in the plots before okay so in this episode they say that noel ran away is that in keeping with last season? Because I thought they took her away after that whole rifle pig full moon fiasco. You know. Not knowing is also okay. I just didn't feel like, I didn't feel like it was accurate to whatever the story was. The reason I say, you know, is because you're right that that was part of it. And I feel like when we recorded that episode, one of the pieces of trivia I had read was that that was going to be the last time we saw Noel, or maybe it was an episode before that. Anyway, when they said it in this episode that she ran away, that tracked to me for some reason with something else we had heard. But you're right. That one big milestone last season was that they took her away. And she does have a history of running away. Yeah. Like that's a thing. 
Yeah. But I, for some reason, I just thought like she had like lost custody of her. I could find you an answer. Um, that would be great. Okay. But not while I'm talking. Well, while you're talking, okay. just don't expect me to respond. <laughs> Perfect. Um, okay, the other thing that didn't track for me is Suzanne proclaimed she loves babies at the top of the episode. Is that right? I know she wanted to adopt Lee Sing in season one, and I know she's a self-proclaimed animal lover even, but babies? It's just convenient for her to say that. Okay. I can go with a convenience argument. Uh, I had one other stray. Mm-hmm. Mary Jo's hair was, like, really different. Like, she almost looks like a character from a movie in the 40s. They're doing that thing in the 80s where they're trying to straighten curly hair, but it's not straightening. It's just, it's like poofing. But then they're like, oh, we'll somehow flatten it and, like, give it a a twirl at the bottom. I'm glad you noticed that. So that's actually my things I didn't like. Um, Her hair. It was her entire style in this episode was a massive step back. So we talked a lot in the first couple of seasons about Poor Mary Jo's style. Like they just, she couldn't catch a break with the stylist on the show. Um, so then she had kind of a redemption. Her outfits have gotten increasingly cuter. Um, and then this was like a major step back in her hair in particular. Uh, again, going back to Designing Women Online's uh, summary in particular of this episode, they say Mary Jo's hairstyle, outfits, and whole pumpkin colored look made a lasting impression on the fans who to this day refer to the early fourth season episodes as being Annie Potts's worst hair days. In actuality, the memorable hair color and style only appeared in this one episode. Huh. But it's a real sticking point for fans. She was also wearing like a real rough outfit when she went to meet when, and she actually comments on it, how silly she looked with that hat on and that shawl. However, when she took whatever that was off, the little halter dress she was wearing was really cute. It was very pretty and pink to me. It was really cute. Which she was in. But yeah, her hair uh, was a major, not so great for this one. Uh, Was that your last stray? Yes. I have one more. uh, And I think my last stray might transition us into your segment, maybe. Mm -hmm. I was going to talk about the meanings of our names because Charlene talks about baby names so much. Okay. Lay it on me. I mean, it will. It will. Okay. Why don't we transition to your segment and I'll just add. Okay. Okay, so it's going to be popular baby names for this week's Selena Sidebar. It's a sidebar, Selena Sidebar. She's got a keyboard looking for a reward by digging deep in the obscure, taking us on a detour. What you got, Selena, in Selena Sidebar? So one of the many gifts that Suzanne gets Charlene is that Name Your Baby book. And then they even quickly chat about the meaning of the names. Mm. In honor of that, which I sound super excited about, um, (laughs) I thought we could. That's why I thought that we could dig into names. Yeah. And um, I promise I'll make it more interesting than that sounds. I was like putting (laughs) it together. I was like, yeah, let's talk about names. Uh, But I got curious and I looked up the top names in 1989 and that's the year the episode premiered. 1989, I mean, that's our contemporaries right mm-hmm. there. I mean, they're right there with us. Sims are people. I bet you can guess at least three of the girls. Jessica, names. Jennifer. Ash- uh, no, not Ashley. Ashley. <laughs> Am I close? Well, just knock out one more name and I'll tell you. Jessica, Jennifer. Katie? 
Okay. You did get one correctly. What? You, okay, but you said, you didn't initially say Ashley. You said not Ashley, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. So you got two. Um, but I was, said not Ashley, and then I said no, Ashley. Yeah, you know why, though, because you saw my face. <laughs> they can't see it, but I'm going to tell on you. Because my face sure, gave everything away. Maybe um, Jennifer was an older, like a slightly older name. It could be. I can tell you it wasn't. Oh, I'm sorry. It's like, now you've aged us because it was the year we were born in 85. Okay. Um, so, in fact, that was the only name that was different between the year we were born in 89. But here are the top girls' names in 89. Jessica, Ashley, Brittany, Amanda, and Sarah. Sarah, so gosh darn I really thought you were going to like. Do you know what, co- what, what color? What spelling of Brittany? B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, wasn't expecting that question, but I did have the answer for you. Um, the top boys' names, Michael, Christopher, Matthew, Joshua, and David. I was thinking about the name Michael the other day. I think of that as a name for people our age. I don't think of it as a name for kids my kid's age. Mm -hmm. And, uh, my daughter told me she has a friend in her class, a new kid named Michael. And you said, no, you don't. I was like, that's not possible. They haven't named kids that since 1989. (laughs) That's funny. So <laughs> my curious, I do agree with you though. There are these names that are just like stamped in time. Yeah. So I get it. It's a classic name. I'm it not really saying it is because I feel like I, pro- I feel like it's one of the most popular names ever. Right. Like, yeah. Everybody knows a Michael. It's I feel true. like I know like a hundred. I just don't see it like in the elementary school yearbook as often anymore. And I feel like I went to class with like, I had three Michaels in one class at any given time, you know? Sure. Or Mike or Mikey or whatever. Yeah. Well, I wasn't just curious about 89. Oh. You know, life didn't stop then. Oh. It went on. Um, and my me curiosity too. drove me to look up the most current popular names. Oh, good. So the, the most current. If you say Michael, I swear. The most current is, I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> um, is 2021. Because these are actually from the Social Security Administration. They track these. I don't, I don't, and we know how quickly they work. I had no idea. Yeah. Well, they need some time. Um, so uh, for boys. It's, do you want to take any guesses or you want me to just lay it out there? This seems hard. I'd, I think I'd probably do better with girls' names. Go ahead. You go ahead. I'll take too long. Okay. So boys' names, Liam, mm-hmm. Noah, mm-hmm. Oliver, mm-hmm. Elijah, mm-hmm. and James. Okay. I know a few of those. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you want to take at least a guess or two for the girls? There's going to be like a Kinsley or a, a McKinsley or something. I, I think that you, I think you're right. I think that was a few years, a few okay. up to 10 years ago. Okay. You couldn't swing in a live cat without hitting someone with a... a Tell me real quick, is Emma Michaela, on the list? Uh, yes. Okay. We have an Olivia, Emma, Charlotte, Amelia, and Ava. And I would argue that's because we've done that flip-flop. Everybody was using like really wild names yeah. there for a little bit. Like now modern sounding. Yeah. Now we've gone back to like real traditional sounding names. Um, but this is a spoiler alert maybe for a show that's very old. We're covering it. It's called Designing Women. But Charlene and Bill's baby name is on here. Olivia. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, that's kind of fun. I had this whole conversation, not even thinking about this segment um, with my daughter the other night about how we ended up naming her. So her name is Carolina. Mm-hmm. And I had to explain to her sort of how we ended up on that name. And I was telling her that I always wanted to have a daughter named Savannah. I just thought that was the most beautiful, like, um, I don't know, it just feels fresh, but also like with a hint of like traditional. And by the time I had her, I feel like there were so many Savannahs. I couldn't do that. I just couldn't do it. So Charlotte was another one that feels that same sort of vibe. Um, but there were so many Charlottes. So doesn't really matter how, but we landed on Carolina and we never meet Carolinas. Um, or if you meet someone with that name, it's Carolina um, and it's pronounced with an accent of some kind. Um, so I, I can't decide if I feel bad for her or good for her. I feel good for her. I like it. I, I feel good about the name. Yeah. I just don't know if she's always going to be called the wrong thing. She has a, t- a, a lady at school that calls her Caroline. Someone she like really looks up to calls her Caroline. And I was like, you need, you need to correct that. And she's like, it doesn't bother me. And I'm like, it should bother you. <laughs> it should. Lean in. I Tell mean, I name. don't know. Like as someone who got their name mispronounced a lot in the 80s and 90s, yeah. you just get over it. I'm yeah, like, just call me Janice. Well, yeah, I've been the wrong name my whole life. Sure. I think that's why it's like I sensitive to me. I think most of us are. Unless your name is Ashley, your name is wrong. Yeah. Everywhere. Unless your name is Jessica, Ashley, Brittany, Amanda, or Sarah, and <laughs> your name is said wrong all the time. That's true. Um, I'm like, incidentally, like I have a best friend named Jessica, Ashley, <laughs> and Sarah. Just, just saying. Just saying. Um, so then I, I uh, happened across this 10 baby name trends for this year. Okay. And I thought I'd share a couple of things from that that I thought were interesting. And we'll also link to the article and because there's, I'm not going to go through all 10, uh, but we're really swayed by pop culture. Mm-hmm. And so right now, some people are going really opulent with names like Amadeus and Casimir. And this is due to the popularity of shows like Bridgerton, The Witcher, and The Sandman. Oh, no. So how do you think those kids are going to feel? Oh. I was actually, it made me think about Game of Thrones when it like first started and people were naming their kids Khaleesi. Oh, I thought you were going to say Daenerys. No, they went with Khaleesi, which is like a fake language that means queen. And it's just... I don't know. I wonder how the Khaleesi's are feeling today. There are so many funny TikTok videos about baby names that should just stop altogether. And they make me laugh every Naming a child is a very challenging task. And I don't intend to specifically make fun of certain names because there's a reason their parents chose that name. Man, that's a real marker to put. That's a real line in the sand. Well, it's definitely making a statement. So Mm -hmm. others are getting back to the basics and rugged with their name choices. Abbott. Beck, and this is inspired by the neo-cowboy shows like Yellowstone 1883 and Outer Range. Hey, I bet. So I myself am a genre crosser, but I couldn't help but think these captured two pretty different parts of the country. (laughs) (laughs) And I just had myself a good chuckle while I was reading the article. Now, this is circling back to what you were talking about, which is the meaning of names, okay? Okay. And um, even though Charlene, she didn't want to know the meaning of names. That's what she was getting into, right? But I thought we could talk about the meaning of our names, okay? okay? Which is also something that you were doing. So I'm going to ask you this question, but I have a feeling that you already know. And that's it. Do you know what your name means and what does it mean? I have a lot of names, so it depends on which one you look at. I oh, looked at Nicole. Ah, uh, yes. Is it like warrior or something? People of victory. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's Greek in origin. Okay. Uh, and Nikki, which is what I actually go by, means of two trees. 
I saw that. I still what does that mean? With that. I don't know. Strong strength. You need two trees to bear fruit. We can go somewhere. Oh. <laughs> okay, but you need fruit. So my entire purpose in life is to bear fruit? Well, because, okay, so I didn't think about the Nicole aspect. Okay. So I did look up, um, you have to have 1K for Nikki for it to mean people of victory and goodness. Okay. And that's why, to your point with the two Ks, two, two Ks, two trees, two Da, da, da. <laughs> double the pleasure, double the fun. <laughs> well, you're bearing fruit over there. So. She's so not fun, currently, y'all. <laughs> Can uh, I do Selena now? Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, my meaning was uh, it means heaven, uh, the moon, and it's of Indian origin. Yeah, it's weird because did you look at the bump? The bump dot com. Okay, so my whole life. I thought that my name meant my whole, my whole life. I thought that my name meant salt of the earth, which, by the way, is the worst thing that you can tell like an eight year old. Because I'm like everybody else means like goddess and warrior, and I'm like uh, Morton's table salt. Because you or are you sea salt harvested from the Dead Sea? Do you, does that sound good? Do mm. you know how hard it is to explain the concept of salt of the earth to like a five, six, seven, eight year old? It's pretty hard. I think really all these understand. things are made up and I think it's hard to explain to anyone. I don't, what does of two trees mean, Selena? I don't know, but I like heaven and the moon. I'm 21 years old and I don't know what of two trees means. <laughs> What's happening? I just turned 21. Oh, that's so good for you. Um, it's a good age. I was making the point that adults don't understand these things. Yeah. So well, kids won't understand it. So here's the other question I have. Do you like your name? And That's now do I have to ask you which name? <laughs> You're I, not even telling the other name. I know. I have complicated name issues. Uh, I like Nikki. It's fine. I think the only challenge I have is that it's not my legal name. So uh, it gets complicated. You're going to tell me your legal name? No. Okay. It gets complicated. <laughs> oh, I like this. This adds an air of mystery. Mm. Only I know. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I like my name just fine. It's just complicated. So, I did not like my name when I was little. For exactly what I was saying earlier, nobody remembers the name Selena. <laughs> just me as a human, I don't know. Either way, purple. it's just spelled wrong. The Selena I know is Selena Quintalina. You don't know her. The only Selena you know is me, and mine is spelled correctly, and everyone else's is spelled incorrectly. That's true. And that's how I feel about Nikki. I get very sensitive about the spelling. And when people, I, I have to bite my tongue. People are like, which spelling? I always want to say the right one. Two Ks and an I. Just say, I, li I like to think that, okay, first of all, you know you're saying that. I can totally see you saying the right one. It's true. Sometimes I do. But I I, what I want to say on the other side of that is the older I get, the more I appreciate my name. Yeah. Because you can't pinpoint me to 1985. Yeah. You just can't do it. Because it wasn't popular then. It's not popular now. And it works to my advantage, I think. I do think that's interesting. So my middle name is Nicole, which is what Nikki's short for. And that was everywhere in the 80s. I Like every friend I have, uh, you like I if you take named Nicole. five of us, one of us, or two of us has the middle name Nicole. Um, so that's not unique at all. Uh, but I have a pretty kind of like timeless first name. And even Nikki itself, you don't meet very many Nikki's. So I don't feel... I mean, you certainly wouldn't think I was born in the 20s, but uh, it's not like, I don't know. I don't feel like I'm pinpointed to 1985 because of my name. My sister's name is Jessica. Mm -hmm. So there you go. 
Well, it was the 80s. <laughs> it was the 80s. It, it was Jessica's time. It was her time. Um, Jessica. I'm like, this is also one of my best friend's names. So Mine too. It's right. Mm-hmm. Yes, look. We all Jessicas. have a Jessica. We all have a Jessica, and yeah. we love them dearly. Love them. Jessicas so are good people. There are some names where you're like, I have a friend who's a, an elementary Careful. school teacher. She has some names where she's like, that is a bad kid. That is a bad seed. Yeah. Every time I get a fill in the blank name, that's a bad seed. Or she'll have some names where she's like, that is a really, that's going to be a sweet little girl, or that's going to be a sweet little boy. That's a good kid. Um, Jessica, I don't think I've ever met a bad Jessica. Jessicas are good people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All people are good people. No, they're not. Okay, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so the very last thing that I'll say, and then we can exit the sidebar, is like, I think I've mentioned this in another episode a long time ago, but if you don't listen to Freakonomics, they do cover names and why they matter, or like, how much does your name matter? That's actually the name of the episode. We'll link to that in our show notes, and I highly encourage people to listen to it because it's just really interesting. I think if I was, like, I don't want to present any of that as my own work, but I do want to share a couple of things to chew on. Spoiler alert, the host, I mean, it was in 2013 when that podcast came out, so. Mm. Um, But the hosts don't think your name can affect your life that significantly, but they do say it tells us something about who our parents are, everything from their religious or ethnic background, their level of income or education, and maybe even in politics and that in itself is very fascinating and when I think about people and the way they talk to me about the stories of how they name their children I think it's dead on accurate mm. um, because I do think people put a lot of themselves into those names because mm-hmm. your children are your legacy or your legacy yeah. yeah and that's it a sidebar that's interesting <laughs> you want to talk about what we liked yeah Yeah. So I liked kicking off this season with kind of a silly episode. So you said something at the top about it felt like two B plots. That was a perfect palate cleanser for me after the First Amendment episode that we ended last season on. Nice start to the season. Okay. It was light, airy, Mm -hmm. felt good. Uh, In my other thing that I liked was I really liked, we talked about this a second ago, seeing Suzanne's nurturing side. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she was really trying. She needs someone to dote on. And I love that about her. Oh, you just love Suzanne. I do. Um, I think Anthony is pretty funny through the episode. And as he's being terrorized by Suzanne. Um, <laughs> poor man. When he tries to call 911 and he's dialing Julia with his face. No. Oh. <laughs> Um, he can't move man. his arms. And then you alluded to this, or we didn't allude to it. You talked about it, him crawling, like belly crawling yeah. into the other house. He just, um, he's a good physical comedian. Yeah, he is. And that really shined through. I also think that he really nails a certain level of desperation. <laughs> like, uh, just so well. Like, it's pitch perfect. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. The, my last like is that I'm a sucker for these I love Lucy style plots. Mm-hmm. So that is, you know, we're trying to do something dumb, basically. Yeah. Um, or the characters are, and we're along for the ride. Like, oh, I don't know, pretend that we live in our client's house, and it's clearly going to end terribly, but we yeah. do it anyway. It just and keep then, going. Right. And then when you bring in that high school element, I think anytime you bring that in, I think I'm, a, I'm at least going to be a little interested mm-hmm. because there's lots to mine from high school days, lots of trauma. And so <laughs> it can only be, it, but it, it, it lends to good sitcom, whatever. So yeah. That was mine. 
I didn't transition well. I have a grit splits that I'd like to play on most expensive toys. Okay, I love so, it. You know what? Let's just let's just get into it. I just love that. I just love it every time. Uh, so I want to do a grit splits game on uh, expensive toys because we have this whole thing about Suzanne buying really expensive things for baby Olivia. So I found an article on financesonline.com of the 10 most expensive toys in the world. Uh, so I've given Selena a handout, <clears throat> a takeaway from this episode. It is a printout of those 10 toys. What I'd like you to do, Selena, is look through these pictures. I know it's kind of hard to see them. Just do the best you can. Uh, and I want you to order them in terms of most expensive to least expensive. So whatever ordering system works for you, I want you to do that. Uh, okay. So, I mean, this is a visual exercise. <laughs> um, okay. I would say... You don't have to do it right now. Because oh. here's what we're going to do. Oh, okay. uh, You can start working on it. Okay. Um, while you do that, uh, because it is a visual exercise, while you do that, you can also listen to my descriptions of the items you're looking at. Oh, that would be and helpful. that'll help you. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and also the listeners don't have to listen to you. Look at pictures. So let's start with... Um, and I don't actually know what order they are on your paper. So I'm going to start with the Shimonsky soccer ball. Do you see a soccer ball on that I page? Do. Okay, so this ball weighs 4.8 pounds, and it's encrusted with 3,500 carats of South African diamonds, including 6,620 white diamonds and 2,640 black diamonds. <laughs> I had a different number on there, and now I'm like, one. <laughs> <laughs> it was created by South African jewelry brand Shemansky to commemorate the Soccer World Cup held in that nation in 2010. It took three months to design and manufacture. The ball was made to attract wealthy soccer fans and tourists and entice them to buy Shimonsky's gemstones and other precious wares. The manufacturer also produced crystal replicas of the ball, displayed them in local stores, and auctioned them for charity. I'm not going to tell you how much it's worth until you've made your list. Sure. And this is also a game for learning and not for prizes but if you feel like you do a fantastic job and you deserve learning. a prize how dare you make me learn on the weekend <laughs> okay so the next one is called loiseleur the bird trainer um it is the um it looks like a puppet of some kind of mechanical it. puppet it's a little scary a little scary yeah, yeah, yeah. so this one is a four foot tall moving doll designed by a french how do you say this word automata expert um, Sounds like you got it. <laughs> named Christian Bali, who took more than 15,000 hours to complete the project. The automated doll is given life and motion by 2,340 polished steel parts. It functions with the assistance of spring-driven cogs and gears and not motors or batteries. Loiseleur is clothed in Renaissance garb that is embellished with gold and pearls. Sorry, did you say the year on this? Uh, I think I'm getting there. Okay. Yep, there you go. I really dug for this, but it sounds like it was completed in 2004 by a Swiss workshop. It looks really old. I know. I thought you were going to say 1876. It's intended to look Renaissance. I see. Uh, the doll's accessories include a pair of singing birds, flute, and sword. It's dressed in velvet, satin, and silk and features glass eyes and painted porcelain skin. If you wind the golden key, the bird trainer takes the flute to his mouth and plays the tune Marche de, de, de Roi. 
that's the March of the Kings, I think, by Georges Bizet. His eyes move back and forth while his fingers work the instrument. In addition, the birds on the trainer flap their wings, turn their heads, and open and close their beaks. The doll weighs 122 pounds, including the mother of pearl and jade pedestal. I I just, I'm not sure I understand. Like, okay, if you had said this was something from the 1800s, I'd be like, sure, sure. Mm-hmm. There wasn't television. There weren't gaming systems. We didn't have the internet. But, like, why? I thought it landed on this list because it was, like, a really intricate design of, like, um, uh, who are some of the famous inventors of, like, the 17 and 1800s. I thought it was, like, one of their first sure. inventions or whatever. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't I don't know why. Yeah, it's weird. Okay. There's also, and I, I think maybe I didn't write all this down, there was also, like, a financial situation. Like, they invested a ton of money into this thing and then have proceeded to not recoup it because everybody's like, why? Yeah. Why? What do I want this for? It's also creepy. Yeah, um, it's a little creepy. So I'm going to go to the Barbie next. You've got a Stefano Cantori Barbie or the Diamond mm-hmm. Barbie on there. Got her. Um, she's wearing a black strapless evening dress as well as a choker necklace that has a one carat square cut pink diamond. The necklace alone is worth $300,000. Uh, the doll was auctioned off in 2010 with proceeds benefiting breast cancer research. Oh my God, this is really hard. Okay. I'm going to move to the Rubik's Cube next. You should have the Masterpiece Cube or Rubik's Cube. It's a fully functional Rubik's Cube, but a really expensive one. Each side is embellished with 185 carats of precious gems, including rubies, emeralds, and amethysts. Expert diamond cutter Fred... I don't want to say his name wrong. Cooler? Crafted it to commemorate the 15th anniversary of the Rubik's Cube in 1995. The toy is made of 18 karat gold, and instead of stickers, each side has 34 carats of rubies, emeralds, and 22.5 carats of amethysts. Isn't that wild? It's a choice. Okay. Yep, yep. Uh, let's go next to the Astolette Dollhouse Castle. You should be looking at a castle. I am. It's a museum-quality dollhouse, which was appraised as the most valuable dollhouse in the world. It's so valuable because of its handmade, intricate design. It weighs 800 pounds. Holy shnikes. And it stands at nine feet tall. It oh, has... That does not show you that from this It picture, doesn't, does yeah. it? It has 29 rooms. It features an extensive collection of high-quality miniatures, including extravagant furnishings, working fireplaces, stained glass panels, and 10,000 handcrafted miniature pieces that include original works of art, gold chandeliers, and the smallest antique Bible in the world. Many of its miniatures, including some made of gold and sterling silver, are antique and one of a kind. A few other museum-quality dollhouses meet such criteria. This one was created between 1974 and 1987, primarily by master miniaturist Elaine Deal. Um, Let's go to Madame Alexander Eloise, who is the little baby doll. Mm-hmm. Do you see her? See okay. Uh, this is a doll dressed in what looks like a fur coat, hat, and boots, accompanied by her little dog also wearing a fur vest. Apparently what accounts for her value is the nine carats of diamonds and other expensive accessories. According to the article, doll designer Madame Alexander created only five dolls of this type, and each wears Swarovski crystals, Catherine Bauman accessories, Oscar de la Renta fur, and Christian Dior clothes. Madame Alexander Eloise elaborates her rich girl style with blonde hair, chubby look, and a stylish dog. Okay. Helpful. 
I think we're getting close. So uh, we got a Lamborghini Aventador model car. This is really hard. I've read this through a bunch of times and it's not until I'm saying it out loud that I'm like, I can't pronounce any of these words. It's a Lamborghini model car. That's the one that Casey could help you with. Okay. We'll ask him later. You would have known the pronunciation, yeah. We'll ask him later. So as it sounds, it's a model Lamborghini. It's an eighth size model that was made by German engineer Robert Gulpin. It has gold diamonds and platinum rims in its headlights, steering wheel, and seats. Gulpin took 500 hours to complete it, and it costs 10 times more than an actual Lamborghini. (laughs) This game is hard. I think I have three more if I'm doing my math correctly. Uh, so next we've got a Stife Louis Vuitton teddy bear. Mm-hmm. See that? Okay. I know those Stife bears. Should at least ring a bell from season three, episode 10. Uh, Mr. Bailey, we talked about that cat who inherits the lady's stuff. We talked about Stife bears in references we need to talk about. So vintage Stife are notorious for going for like tons of money at auction. Um, as it turns out, German toy maker uh, Stife's Louis Vuitton teddy bear holds the record for the most expensive toy of this type it was bought by jesse kim for 2.1 million dollars at a 2000 monaco auction the bear has been outfitted with a range of pricey louis vuitton travel gear and luggage on top of that it's made with real fur and gold and has diamond and sapphire eyes it's currently displayed at the teddy bear museum doesn't that sound delightful the teddy bear museum in jeju that south does. korea the eyes thing doesn't a little creepy the eye sounds like a nightmare a little creepy yeah Golden Monopoly. This version of the Monopoly game board uh, board game is estimated to be worth $2 million. I'm giving you some context clues here. Hopefully you haven't been listening. It's made of 18 karat gold and encrusted with jewels. It's the brainchild of San Francisco jewelry, jewelry maker Sidney Mobel, who created it in 1988. It took a year to make this game. The set of dice costs about $10,000 as the number of The number dots are made with 42 full-cut diamonds. In addition, properties in the game board are set in gems, and there are a total of 165 gemstones. The hotels are topped with sapphires and the house chimneys with rubies. It was donated by Mobel to the Smithsonian Museum in 2003. And then the last one on your page there should be a gold rocking horse. Yes. Japanese jeweler Ginza Tanaka created this 24-karat gold rocking horse to honor the birth of Japan's Prince Hisahito in 2016. It weighs in at about 27 kilo, 26 kilograms or 80 pounds. Allegedly, allegedly, Jay-Z and Beyonce bought this for their daughter, Blue Ivy. Hmm, okay. So you think you have a working order? I think everything that I have is probably wrong at this point. Okay. But we're just going to roll with it. I think I even have two of every number. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I've really screwed the pooch on this one. Hold on. I can, I'll, I'll adjust. If uh, it's too hard, we can also just go in order and you can tell me how you did. Okay. I'm. So do you want me to, ju- I'll just go ahead and tell you number. You want me to start with 10 or one? Whichever way you want to do it. Well, okay, so initially I was thinking, like, there's going to be something about the story with the Monopoly that's going to make that number one. Mm. I no longer feel that's the case. I feel like I was way off, but I'm just going to roll with it because otherwise we'll be here all day. So that was my number one. Okay. Uh, So Monopoly was actually number seven. Yeah. At $2 million. Right. When you said the number and when you started saying these other ones, I just knew it was all wrong. So it doesn't really matter. My number two was that soccer ball. Okay. That one is actually number five at $2.59 million. 
How much? 2.59. Okay. I really would have thought it was way more than that. Um, okay. Then my number three was the Rubik's Cube. Okay. That's actually number eight. Okay. 1.5 million. Okay. And I just want to say again that I know all these are really wrong now. You see, this is why it's not a game. It's a learning game. Okay. Then for number four, I had the Lamborghini. Okay. That was number four. $4.6 million. I, it's like I won. There you go. It's really? It's like I won. I got one right and I'm happy with really? it. Really? Um, at number five, and I also think at this point it might be really off, but I had the Barbie. The Barbie. Okay. I think that one was, yeah, that was actually number 10. Yeah. The cheapest item here, $302,500. Right. Because it's really all her necklace then. Right. Okay. Uh, number six, I had the dollhouse. The dollhouse is actually, this shocked me. It's actually number one. It's worth $8.5 million. My, my, my. Isn't that wild? But it is huge. 800 pounds, nine feet tall. I have lots of thoughts going through my head right now. Tell you what. Uh, seven, I had the girl and the dog and the Dior or whatever. That's number three, five million dollars. Yeah, when you started talking about how expensive that was, I was like, this is also way off. There we go. <laughs> uh, number the number eight is the creepy French thing. That one was number two, six point yeah. two five million dollars. Yeah. And again, I think that one has some financial caveat to it, like what they're asking for it and what it's worth. Maybe not quite too. Same things, if that makes sense. Yeah. I don't remember. Then there's the teddy bear, which I also feel like I was way off once you started talking about the number there, but I had it at nine. I don't think you're way off. It's number six. Okay. 2.1 million. Okay. Okay. And then the rocking horse thingy, I had at 10, but obviously. Also close. It was number nine. Okay. $600,000. I just... I struggle with stuff like this because on the one hand, like some of it really does feel like these achievements, like to make something that tiny, like oh, the dollhouse, mm-hmm. I'm like, that it's a working fireplace. That's like kind of cool. But on the other hand, I'm like, there are starving people in the world. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm caught somewhere in between that. And then mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I remember it's really, I, I, there's nothing I can do about this. Nothing. But there you go. Except get one right when you play a game on That's them, right. I which got. is actually pretty impressive. Ooh. One out of 10, I'll take it. That was challenging. Is there anyone on there that you would like, forgetting there are starving people in the world, forgetting that's total opulence. Is there anyone on there you would love to have in your home? Definitely the French thing. (laughs) It's so creepy. No. I like the dollhouse. dollhouse. Yeah, but I don't have. It's too big. But here's the thing. You have kids. I don't have kids. Me with the dollhouse. Eh. Do you remember the dollhouse in Gilmore Girls? How beautiful it was. I do. She also didn't have kids. It was a nice little thing in her living room. Just looks pretty. Who didn't have kids? Lorelai didn't have little That's kids. Right. That's dollhouse true. kids. Uh, yeah, I don't. I think I'm good on all of these. Um, I like teddy bears. Um, so for cuteness factor, that Stife teddy bear, but decked out in Louis Vuitton feels kind of just being honest. Just feels kind of tacky something. to me. Um, so if anybody's getting a Louis Vuitton jacket, it's going to be me, except it won't be. <laughs> it's just not really my style. It's, it's all super opulent. Yeah. I can't. Like, yeah. I like something a little bit more understated. Hey, power to anyone who's like into it. It's just never been my thing. So it sounds like Selena doesn't really care for super expensive toys, which makes me wonder if this is a good time to talk about other things we didn't care for in this episode. That's things we didn't transition. like. This, is, this whole thing makes me feel like I need a cigarette holder. 
<laughs> and a smoking jacket. <laughs> a Louis Vuitton one. <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, I had, I am going to have a starkly different reaction to this as a premiere episode. Okay. Uh, I like the way that you framed it as in, like, also thinking about last season and just coming into something lighter. And I totally feel you. For me. You're I, wrong. I, I just felt like this was a really bizarre season premiere. Okay. To me, it feels like a filler episode that should have been dead in the middle of the season. There, like, I don't think you need stakes necessarily, but there's also nothing to really necessarily like really draw me in the way I want to be drawn in. Mm-hmm. We'll get to it later in the season because obviously you and I are already looking at the season and thinking about things, but there I've already ran across one that I think could have been the perfect season opener. Oh, interesting. Can't wait to hear about that. Um, you will tell me more. <laughs> the pacing also didn't 100% work for me. Some of Anthony's scenes felt rushed and some of Mary Jo's scenes dragged a little bit. And I also wanted to share one more thing, which is the more I've thought about it, um, the more I'm intrigued by the pairing of their plots specifically together, because On the one hand, Anthony is often underused, Mm -hmm. though I do think that's changing. Uh, But also as the show goes on and gets more interested in Suzanne, I think Mary Jo has become more underused in the show. So I find it interesting that someone who I think has historically been underused and someone who is on their way to being underused, that they just kind of threw them in an episode together. That intrigues me. Oh, so I will preface this with something. I consider this a sandwich, what I didn't like. I will preface it with something I did like, which is I love, love, love that they didn't try to hide Gene Smart's pregnancy. A lot of 80s and 90s shows uh, did. Mm-hmm. But, and in fact, I, I believe this show does with um, Mary Jo Shively um, or Annie Potts in future seasons. But like, why didn't anybody really mention it? Why do we just jump into this season talking about baby names, but we're not going to address the fact that she's a newlywed, she's newly pregnant. Like it just, she is so far along visually um, in this episode that I'm sure she was too far along to do the whole like her finding out thing and following the pregnancy. So I respect that. But it also, I just hate it because I feel like Charlene's character of all people would love to find out she's pregnant. And that would have been a whole journey with her that I would have loved to have gone on with her. So I hated that we just sort of like- Timing didn't work out. Jump in. Yeah, I know. Come on, get it together, Jean Smart. Get pregnant on a more reasonable schedule. Uh, but I just feel like there was more we could have exploited with the the pregnancy instead of just like jumping in and assuming we all knew that's what was happening. I just thought that was a weird choice. Yeah. Um, I also, I won't go too far into it here, um, but I will share that I looked into Jean Smart's pregnancy because I was curious, like, I don't know how it was covered, like what was the, how things were handled. Uh, and I just thought it was interesting that she had a really high risk pregnancy due her due to her diabetes. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to link to a Chicago Tribune article about it. Um, but actually they, her doctor was kind of mad that she got pregnant because they had told her don't get pregnant. Um, it's like still magnolias. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very oh. similar. Um, so she had a really high risk pregnancy and um, had to like monitor her blood sugar really closely. And a lot of things had to happen during her pregnancy to make sure that she was um, safe and successful. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. I, I knew, I knew both of those things, but I didn't realize that it, like, I know, I know she's diabetic cause we've covered that before. And then I also knew she had a high risk pregnancy, but I didn't put together was because of the diabetes. I think the article I alluded to was more of like 
my least favorite two terms in the entire universe, which is the geriatric pregnant. Oh. Um, and I think that's where that article made it sound like it was oh. instead of the diabetes piece. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Patriarchy. Mm. Um, so is there other things that you, that's got it? That's it. Well, you want to rate it? I'm ready. Let's rate the sucker. My rating scale is lost pigs on a, on a milk carton. Oh, okay. I like it. I like it. Uh, I give it four out of five. I I liked kicking the season off with something silly. Uh, I liked getting to see Suzanne and Anthony together some more. And then, of course, getting to see Charlene pregnant. So this is a solid start to the season for me. I give it a three out of five friends mm. who have all gone insane at the same time. <laughs> that's really, really funny. Yeah, that was good. Uh, and I think that's just like, because I think we've talked about it a few times. Three is kind of middle of the road mm-hmm. and that's exactly what this was for me it was just right down the middle yep. um and i think it's it would have been a, i think it would have been way cuter to me if it had come in the middle of the season i just wanted something a little bit more significant for the cast but uh but all in all it was fine it was fine 80 things uh, Suzanne offering to have Consuela look up a phone number for Anthony when she thinks 911 is 411 or information. Mm-hmm. That's a very 80s thing. We don't dial 411 anymore. Yeah, also, like, no one's going to make that mistake. Like, yeah, no, no one no. under the sun. Well, yeah. uh, we also had a Stevie Wonder reference as well as a Neil Diamond one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good call. 80s things. I think calling to have your paper stopped. Really just all the calls. Oh, yeah. Just all the calls. Yeah. There's so many on so many landlines in this one. I've stopped my mail in recent years, and you can even do that online. Yeah. You don't have to call anybody. Nobody wants to talk to anyone Mm-mm. anymore. Nope. Uh, it's hard to even imagine that this is a... Well, you're not really... It's not a two-way communication. That's probably why this is popular. You can just yell in the middle of your car like the good Lord intended. <laughs> Um, I hate these people. And then, like, the book of popular baby names. Mm. That sort of struck me. Like, again, uh, just a reminder, it's not really just 80s things. It's like these dated references. Mm. I'm not saying that book doesn't exist anymore. What I'm saying is, is it doesn't, like, I've never had a friend of mine be like, thumb through the book of popular baby names. And she's like, this is how I found it. You know. I have to say, and at this point, I'm not like recently pregnant or anything, but we definitely looked at popular lists. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there was a book involved, uh, but we looked through it to make sure we didn't name an overly popular name. Right. Like a don't play list. Exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Southern things. Mary Jo flipped a switch between hating Belva and talking to her on the phone. Um, she's like, this is the worst person ever. I hate this woman so much. Oh, hi, Belva. So good to hear from you. And that just felt very Southern to me. <laughs> yep <laughs> it was the only one i had i think we, we've already covered the other ones um but just a reminder that tuxedo drive being a real place um and that nikki has covered go watch it i don't think did it. you say this episode uh-huh okay and i've since forgotten so season two episode three. Oh, there you go Ethel host a dinner party <laughs> it's one of the few times that i remembered our name change and not the name of the actual episode oh uh okay references we need to talk about I'm realizing in this moment that I have a very long explanation that I'm not sure is super interesting to anyone else. Um, But I'm going to say that thing Charlene mentions at the beginning about a bird who only lays two eggs a year um, and only one matures. And she was like really annoyed that no one tells you whatever happened to the other egg. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. I have an answer. 
Oh, okay, um, they're referring to an endangered species of penguin called the, er- <laughs> I'm sorry, the erect crested penguin. It's oh, unfortunate. endemic to the New Zealand region and only breeds on the Bounty and Antipodes Islands. Uh, it spends the winter at sea. Little is known about its biology and breeding habits because the um, access to the islands is heavily controlled by the government of New Zealand. However, there was one study done in 1978 about their breeding habits and found indeed they lay two eggs. Apparently that's super common to penguins just in general. But what's unique to this species is that the first egg is up to 70% smaller than the second egg that is laid five days later. The first egg is usually lost before the second one comes around. Um, The parents a lot of times deliberately break it. They don't incubate it. So they're either breaking it or just letting it like go out into the elements and whatever happens, happens. It sounds like a middle child to me. That's sort of how we treat middle children. Um, They're actually not sure why they follow this reproductive strategy, but the theory is that perhaps the mother knows she can't feed two babies because she has to travel really long distances because these penguins are so remote to get food and bring it back to the island. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she's adapted in this way that she knows she can only adequately care for one egg so she kills off the other one they also believe that the other egg stays really small to conserve energy and nutrients for the second much bigger egg i like penguins i felt the need to really close that loop and it wasn't until i started reading it here that i was like this is not interesting to anyone i found it fascinating the more i read about these penguins i was like nature is wild i think it'll be the first time that casey's interested at all (laughs) He loves it. He'll love it. It's like you just did a segment for him. You know what? There you go, Casey. You're He's welcome. He's going to appreciate that. My and gift from, from me to you. And my story is one time I saw a penguin poop all over a window. That's a thing. That's a thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much that much came out of something so small. That's all. Um, so, Alayette, you probably know exactly mm. what this is. I had no idea what it was. The more I kept coming back to it, because like reviewing my notes or whatever, I was like, I probably know what this is, but forgot. But this is a coordinated collection of clothes for a newborn, though the term is also used to refer to basic supplies for an infant. Layette. Now you know. Edith. Now I do know. I thought it was like... um, You didn't even know. I thought it was uh, interchangeable for like a sleeper. Uh because I've seen it like on the tags for clothes. I, I never put together that it's like usually when you get a whole set of things versus just one sleeper. Mm-hmm. That's got to be that. French, right? Mm-hmm, probably. Mm-hmm. Good times. Edith Head <laughs> was another one. This is who designed Mary Jo's high school friend's prom dress. Did you know who Edith Head was? Is No, but yeah. I do you feel like I looked her up and now I'm not sure why she's not in my notes. Tell me more. <laughs> So the name sounded familiar, but I was like, what? I don't know. Help me. So she's a legendary costume designer that seemingly dressed every big star during Hollywood's golden age, winning a record eight Oscar. So first of all, that story is ridiculous because Edith Head would not have designed her prom dress. Mm-hmm. But, but I digress. Um, anyways, just so you get like a little flavor of who she designed clothes for. Mae West, Joan Crawford. We've talked about this episode already. Barbara Stan- Stanwyck, Veronica Lake, Olivia de Havilland, Grace Kelly, Liz Taylor. My personal favorite, Audrey Hepburn in movies like where literally in every single one of these movies, I was like, these are the most beautiful costumes I've ever seen. And that's Breakfast at Tiffany's, Sabrina and Roman Holiday. So that was really just something for me. You've seen The Incredibles? Mm-hmm. 
she is supposedly, or Edna Mode is supposedly modeled after her. Oh, interesting. I looked at them side by side. They do look, look alike. Dramatically similar. I have not seen The Incredibles, oh. but I'm familiar with like the cast. Yeah. The animated cast. Um, so that was all of mine because we talked about whatever happened to Baby Jane earlier. Bit bam, boom. So we're ready for next episode, season four, episode two. <sighs> One Night With You. You can tell Nikki loved it. <clears throat> so we'd love everyone to follow along with us and engage. Instagram and Facebook at Sweet Tea and TV. Email sweetteatvpod at gmail.com. And our website is www.sweetteatv.com. There are several ways to support the show. You can tell your family and friends about us. You can rate and or review the podcast wherever you listen. And then, of course, there are other ways available from our website on the Support Us page. Can I jump in for a second? Yes. Okay, I just have to, well, first of all, I'm not even going to pretend like Nikki and I didn't talk about this before the show because I just feel so silly about it. I, th- I just, I like to think that we're a little bit more organic than that. Just want to share with everyone that we actually wound up getting um, our first bad review over the holidays, which I want to say that's everyone's right. Not everyone's going to like us and that's totally cool. That's just life. I think I have a sound for us. Oh, please. We're learning. We're learning. There you go. <laughs> That's what I was expecting to hear. So I just, I want to say, like, if you listen to podcasts at all, we all run across ones that were like, eh, not for me. And Didn't you just work turn out. It off. Yeah. And like, and you, and I, I really try and give, like, I'm also the kind of person that's like, I tried eight episodes of the show and I just couldn't get into <laughs> it. You know, like I, you know, I really like to give things the old call it, no more than the old college try. I don't know what that is, but just try. I like to listen to things all the way through before I make a decision. Right. So I just say like, That part doesn't matter. What I do think does matter is like if you're on this journey with us and you're enjoying the show, please leave us that rating and review because it does matter. It is how people find us. And, you know, chances are you're not hopping in right now at season four, maybe. Um, But if you are, what that does mean is that you've been on this journey with us. You've been with us for three seasons. And I think you have a lot more of an understanding of who we are than someone that may have only listened to a little snippet and then shared their reaction. It's free. It's easy. And I will gladly show you how if you don't know. Um, We said it before and I'll say it again. We like feedback, good and bad. Um, But I wish we'd heard from this person on a platform where we could interact and try and better understand what they didn't like. So if there's something we're doing that, like, you know, you want to give us some feedback on, do it in a way where we can interact with you. Mm -hmm. Direct message us on social or email from our website if there are things that you'd like for us to hear. Because unfortunately, you know, we can't grow from snark, but we can grow from communication. Thanks for that, Selena, and thank you all for continuing to listen to us. Uh, Like we mentioned at the top of the show, this season we're bringing you Extra Sugar as its own whole episode later this week. So come back Thursday for Extra Sugar, unless you're a Patreon, in which case you'll have some sort of jump on the episode. Bear with us this week. We'll have it for you. Um, And then, as is tradition, I think by now, for the first episode of a season, we're going to give you the lay of the land um, for where we are in like pop culture and general culture in the year of this season, which in this case is 1989. That's right. Okay. All right. Well, you know what that means. Do you know what, what does that it means? mean, Selena? I don't know. I think it means we're going to see you on Thursday. Bye. <laughs>